Well, good morning. Have you ever thought? Have you ever thought? You know, I start a lot of messages like that. Have you ever thought? Did Jesus really have to die? So we're going to answer that question today. And uh, I'm going to run through it so that you can understand it. It's going to be at my level so that you can understand it, which is a simple, plain truth of the gospel. And we're going to start where the cost of sin started. And then we're going to go to where the cost of sin was paid. So see, sin started, and sin came into the world, and it ruled the world. And I'm going to take you to the spot where sin cost was paid. I hope that this helps you understand about Jesus and his death and his resurrection. You see, many people on a day like today would focus entirely on his resurrection. And we're going to focus on that because that is what makes us different. That is what sets us apart. But, you know, have you ever just thought, well, did Jesus really have to die? So let me tell you where it started. It started in the left side of the Bible, the brand new part, Genesis 1-1, and it talks about this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is such a basic story. I know everyone knows that right off the bat. And then it says in Genesis 1:26 and God said, "Let us make man in our image, in our image." God is saying, "I want to make man in our image. I want to make man in our likeness so that they may rule, so that they can rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures. You see, God's original plan was for us to rule and reign on the earth. And, and he created us in his image because he rules and reigns. And it says he created in Genesis 1.27 that he created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, us, male and female, he created him them. And we were created in the image of God. We were how he wanted us to be in the garden. Romans 8 says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And, and you know, this conforming, God had this conforming plan from Genesis 1, made in his image, made in his likeness, made with his power to rule over the earth. He gave it to us. And he wanted us to conform to that. You see, God's plan was for us to rule the earth and everything in it. Not the way it is now. His plan for us to rule the earth and everything in it, and he gave it to us. Um, take a look at Psalm 115. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest of heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth was given to mankind. That's us. It was given to us in his image to rule and reign. But you know, something happened. 
Isn't it always when you're on a good streak, you got things going, something can easily throw you off path, can easily distract you. I can remember my father telling me, uh, we would go to St. Augustine. We lived in Benel. We'd go to St. Augustine. And uh, he would make a study of these horses that pulled the buggies. Very, very common thing in St. Augustine. He even got to ride on one one time. And my dad said, you see the horses? They've got these blinders on them so that they look straight ahead. They're controlled by the reins, and they don't get distracted by all the things that may hurt them or the things that they may like, like an apple or a carrot in somebody's hand over here. They, they're looking straight ahead. But something happened. And here's what happened. Genesis 2, 15 and 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you'll certainly die. It's kind of like reverse psychology. Now, I tried this on my kids. I said, whatever you do, don't pick up your room. <laughs> Thinking that they would say, I'm going to get something over on daddy. I'm going to pick up my room. Whatever you do, don't rinse out the dishes and put them in the dishwasher. Just leave them anywhere you want. Yeah. It, it didn't work. Don't fold your clothes. Don't help mama. It didn't work. You see, Satan wanted our lives in the garden. And he still does today especially here on Easter Sunday. I mean, Satan was in the garden. He was in the garden with their lives in his hand. Listen to what happened. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, you don't eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. Satan, the liar that he is, that he remains to be, Satan, the one that still is doing what he was doing in the garden, even here Sunday morning, he would love to upset you. And so he says to Eve, you will not certainly die. Yeah. But when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, and it was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Isn't it funny how misery loves company? You can get around people, and they can, you can have the best day in the world, and you get with someone who's in a bad mood, and you don't lift them up. They drag you down. I would say stay away from them. Just like... Eve should have stayed away from Satan and Adam too. It was good for pleasing for the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings. It's peculiar, and I don't know about you, but I know about me. When I do something that I know is wrong, I feel convicted. I feel guilt. Depending upon what it is, you may feel shame. My brother and I were talking yesterday, and uh, you can tell, but both of us love food. And we were talking about the sin of gluttony and how we could sit down and eat a dozen Krispy Kreme hot donuts with a couple of quarts of milk, knowing good and well it's not going to be good for us. And we'd eat it, and then we'd feel guilty after. Have any of you ever experienced anything like that? Amen? Yeah. It may not have been Krispy Kreme donuts. It could have been something else. But you realize when you've done it, you say, I can't believe I did that. You don't have to live there. And when the man and his wife heard the sound of God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see, God called out for Adam. And as God called out for Adam, he couldn't find him because he was hiding. Louis, where are you? We had a little closet. I could scurry down in and get up right underneath the stairs. It was closed in. Louie, do you know anything about this chocolate cake that daddy made? And there's crumbs all the way to the closet. God said, where are you? I couldn't find you. He answered, I heard you in the garden, God. And I was afraid and I was naked. So I hid. Do you feel what it's like to be naked? I mean, when you're naked, you're most vulnerable to everyone that looks, to everyone that might see. And you may not even feel comfortable. Adam and Eve were uncomfortable because they were naked before God. Even the way he made them. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You see, this is where sin entered the world. On Easter Sunday, we have an answer for this. But I want you to clearly know this is where sin entered the world. The scriptures say this in Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man... And death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people. Because the scripture says, all have sinned. You see, the results of sin are death. We inherited sin from Adam. God even said, uh, said to Adam, here in Genesis 3.19, By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food. Until you return to the ground, since you from it were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This was not God's plan for us. We were to live with him, to rule and reign forever in the garden, on the earth, all over. 
the Lord being the Savior that he is, he made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. You see, he got skin from an animal. He had to cut the skin. It's called a blood covenant. Covered by the blood. And this started the sacrifice for sin. It was established in blood. That's how it started. This is where it began. But we're heading to the tomb. The Levitical law, Moses says this, for the life of a creature is in the blood. I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves at the altar. It's the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And in Hebrews, it even says this, when Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and he sprinkled the scroll in all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used for ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. God has a plan for us. The blood covenant was established for the cleansing of sin. We had man perfect. We had disobedience or sin. Sin causes death. And blood is the atonement for that. When the people of Israel were in Egypt in captivity, God used this blood covenant. Listen to what he says in Exodus 12. The animal you choose must be a year old male without defect. And you may take them from the sheep of the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. And then you are to take some of the blood and you put it on the sides and on the tops of the door frame of the house where you eat the lambs. And he goes further and says that the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. God was sending the death angel through Egypt to bring his people home. As Pharaoh had again and again and again and again said to Moses, you can't go. Moses, I need to go. You can't go. And this was the final plague, the death of the firstborn, everything in Egypt, the death of the firstborn. From those in the households to those animals to those that were workers, the death angel was coming. And the answer was blood from a spotless sacrifice. I hope you see where I'm going with this. Because that sacrifice was made for us. Exodus 24, Moses says, he took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. You see, the prophet Jeremiah said it like this, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant. This covenant's a blood covenant. Because I'm going to make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And it will not be like the old covenant that I made with their ancestors. It's going to be a new one. And as we wheel through history, after the fall in the garden, God had this blood covenant, but he knew of a new blood covenant that he had coming. Hallelujah. 
God had another plan for us, and it was Jesus Christ. He is the new covenant. He is the new plan. He is a spotless, sinless lamb, born of a virgin, sacrificed, dead and buried. You see, Jesus not only had to die. The question is, did Jesus really have to die? He not only had to die. He came here to die for us. Jesus Christ is the new covenant. He's our covenant for all of us. Just as a son, and here's his exact words. They come right out of scripture. These are his words. Matthew 20. Just as a son of man did not come to be, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Yeah. Did Jesus really have to die? Yes, he did. He wanted to die for us. And we better be grateful that he did. We better be thankful that he came to give his life as a ransom for ours. His perfect, precious blood shed for us. Here's another thing he said in John 12, 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only one single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. We are many seeds because of the death of Jesus Christ. All of the versions of the Bible, except for a couple, attribute this to God. John 3.16. Almost every single translation, but certainly the King James. For God so loved the world, this is Jesus speaking. It's in red letters. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn it. You may be naked. You don't have to hide any longer. You may have taken a bite of the apple. You don't need to fear any longer. You may have fallen short and messed it up. God didn't come to condemn you. You may have eaten all the donuts and all the chocolate cake and not folded one piece of clothes or not made one bed. Never helped with the dishes. He didn't come to condemn you. But that the world through him might be saved. Thank you, Lord. The scriptures say this, for all have sinned, every one of us. All the time. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see, it says that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. We're going to come to a point here in a minute where you either believe this or you don't. I was talking with uh, my brother yesterday. He said, you know, Louis, some people just don't believe the Bible. They just don't believe. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And he says further, this is my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. You see, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, and for what he did on the cross, yes, he died. 
He had to die. And he died for us. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This is God's plan for you. That you would be free. Just like he was. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set free from the law of sin and death. You you see, it started over here in the garden. And it went through the cross. And it ended in the tomb. There's so many that say, are you sure? Jesus arose. Are you sure that, I mean, you sure it wasn't just made up? Here's some scriptures. The tomb was sealed, Matthew 27. The earthquake and the guards fainted, Matthew 28. Women came and found that the tomb was empty. In John 20, women see two angels who say Jesus has risen in Matthew 28. This is a list. I'll make it available. You'll want this for your own edification. It'll be on the website. Women came to see two angels who say Jesus had risen in Matthew 28. Peter and John find the tomb empty in John 20. Mary Magdalene sees Jesus in John 20. Jesus appears to Peter in Luke 24. The two men walking to Emmaus are talking with him for miles before they realize who he is. The ten disciples, Thomas not there in Luke 24, are with him. And then the eleven disciples in John 20. There were seven at the Sea of Galilee in John 21 and to 500 in Galilee in 1 Corinthians 15. He appeared to James in 1 Corinthians 15. He commissioned the disciples in Matthew 28. He teaches them about the Holy Spirit in Luke 24, and he ascends into heaven in Luke 24. This is a risen God. This is a risen Jesus Christ that after his death on the cross, after his burial in the grave on Easter Sunday, he arose. And not only did he arise, but he was shown to those, and he showed himself to those. He taught them. He spent time with them. The Romans, the Pharisees, no one could deny it. Jesus, Jesus says this, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him, everyone who looks at the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. I'll raise Him up at the last day. Did Jesus really have to die? Look, you cannot have a resurrection without a death. I mean, they mocked him. They scourged him. People shouted Hosanna last Sunday during Palm Sunday as he came in. And one week later, they're yelling, crucify him. They put a sign on the cross that said, King of the Jews. Put a crown of thorns on his head. They pierced his side. They gave him bitter wine vinegar. They put him in a tomb. And a short time before they did this to him, He was speaking to Martha as her brother, Lazarus, had died and Jesus' friend, 
Lazarus. He was asking Martha, do you believe? She said, well, I believe in the next life that we'll have new bodies and we'll have a new way. And Jesus said this to her after she said that. Well, yeah, it's coming. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He said, do you believe in this? And I ask those of you here today, I ask those that are listening, do you believe? Do you believe? You see, Jesus rose from the dead for us, for you and I. And he did it so that our sins would be washed away. Here on Easter Sunday, the risen Christ had to die and wanted to die. There was no other way. And you know, he willfully submitted himself to the Father. Yes, he said, oh, if this cup could pass from me. But he knew he couldn't. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you today for your risen Lord. I thank you today, Father, that you alone are the answer to sin and death. And that, Father, those here today and those listening, that they would see what you have to offer, eternal life. Father, those that are naked, those that are afraid, those that are covered by sin or shame, I just ask, oh God, that you would quicken them. You would lead them to your son, Jesus Christ, with this simple prayer. And if this is you, you don't have to get up and sing hallelujah, jump up and down. You just have to say, God, I'm a sinner. You can say this quietly to yourself. God, I'm a sinner. I want your risen son in my life. Come into my life. If you've done that, your sins are forgiven. You're washed white as snow. I pray if that was you today, that you would submit to God. Dear Lord, I do thank you in everything and every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Pastor Louis. I hope you've enjoyed the message today, and I hope that it has encouraged you. If you need any further information about the message or our ministries, please contact us at the numbers on the screen. Our live worship is 1030 each Sunday morning, and we can also be seen on YouTube and Facebook at the Living Corner